All right, good morning. How was everyone doing this morning? Good? All right, good to see everybody. So great to have Steve back. Let's give it up for Steve and the team. Didn't they do a great job? Awesome. All right, man, I love One Service Sundays, and I love seeing all the name tags. This is great. So after the service, we've got a cookout for you, and we want you to connect with new people, get to know people in the church. Um, all right, let's dive into it. We've got a lot to cover this morning. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 13. Grab your Bible, smartphone, whatever you got. Message notes, pull those out. We're going to look at Numbers 13. We're walking through the book of Numbers. We're really doing part two of the wandering in the wilderness. Uh, we're going to take it all the way till the death of Moses. So we're going to be in Numbers for, uh, for some time. Uh, Numbers chapter 13, typically I read the entire chapter that we're going to be looking at, but it's 33 verses, and so I, I'd rather not read it twice and maybe give myself a little bit more preaching time. So we're going to be walking through most of these verses, okay? So I want to remind you of one verse. It's not on your sheet because as you can see, uh, there's, there's a lot of notes there, and uh, so I left this one off, but we've been looking at this verse every week, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. If you remember, I've hit it several times. Now these things happened to them as an example, right? But they were written down for our instruction, so whom, to whom the end of the ages has come. So the apostle Paul, which I've shared before, is telling the church of Corinth, God's telling us today, we're not coming to some historical story and, and that's it. No, it's it's personal. It applies to us today. The story, all the stories in the Old Testament, especially the, the wandering in the wilderness, there's so many parallels to our personal lives um, today. We've been looking at complaining and, and criticism and the grumbling, and we looked at racism last Sunday and, and, and how Miriam was like against this Cushite woman um, that was brought into the family because Moses married her. And now we're going to be talking about doubting. So, so really, it's a historical story, but there's personal application truth for us today because God's word is timeless. It's relevant. It's, it's, it is authoritative truth. So here's point number one. Jot this down. God will test your faith so you can grow. We've been looking at the storyline, right? We, we've moved from complaining to criticism to doubting. And now in chapter 13, you're going to see that God is going to be testing their faith. God wants us to grow, right? I, I, I wish that we could see in the very moment. You know, we know that God tests our faith, right? Consider it all joy. Anyone considering it joy? Anyone in the midst of a trial right now, raise your hand if you're in the midst of it. You're in the midst of one right now, okay? Some of you are like, I'm not in the midst of one. Well, get ready. You're probably going into one, right? Or maybe you're on the tail end of one, right? You're either going in, you're in one, or you're coming out of one. Most of life is filled with trials, right? And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of trials, right? Anyone a fan of trials? I'm not a fan of trials, but I am a fan of what God can do, the aim, the purpose, the end result, if I can surrender to the trial. I'm all for that, right? The growth, being more like Christ, my faith being stretched, my faith growing, but I wish in the moment of a trial we could, 
we could see it as a test. You know, we, 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 we know the scriptures are so clear about trials and consider it joy and persevere and keep your eyes on the Lord and trust the Lord. But sometimes when trials land on our doorstep, we completely forget about all that joy stuff, right? We just forget, right? We're, we're so forgetful. We're so fickle, right? We're just like the nation of Israel as they're wandering in the wilderness. Um, Anybody like that when a faith, when a, when a trial comes into your life, like you just wish like in the moment, like I, I just wish I was more in tune, like okay God, I see it, right? I'm ready, right? Now, the book of Numbers covers 38 years of wandering in the wilderness. The people at this point, really most of it is behind them. It's been a very long journey from Egypt to the promised land. And so in the rear view mirror, what do they, what do they see? Well, there's slavery, uh, the plagues, God's deliverance from Egypt, uh, the heartache, everything that, that God freed them from oppression and, and um, genocide and, um, and, and murder. And then God says, I want you to go into the promised land. Now, we know that the promised land wasn't vacant. There were nations living in it, possessing the land. And sometimes, okay, so Israel is called by God to go into the land, to possess it, literally go to war. I mean, full-on warfare, confrontation, weapons, right? Fight to the death, no, no guns, no bullets, bombs, explosives, right? It was hand-to-hand combat. Maybe bow and arrows, spears, knives, clubs, fight to the death type of war. Now, you might come to this part of the Bible and say, I don't understand how a God could call his unique people to go in, displace people, murder children. I just don't understand that. Well, do you want to worship a God that you can fully understand? I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to have it all figured out in my finite brain. There, there's the Christian walk is about walking by faith, not by sight. There are things we don't understand. There are things that are not just countercultural, but just it, it, it cuts against the grain of just of of our just human emotion. But we have to come to a point where we we say, you know what? I am not God. God is God. He alone is God. God knows best. God is in control. God is sovereign. God has a plan. In God's infinite wisdom and in his divine sovereignty, he works it all out. Right? So many times we come to the Bible and we're projecting our opinions, our preferences, what, how we think God should be. Can I get an amen on that? A lot of people, uh, well, I don't think God's like that. Well, Who cares what you think about what you think God is like, right? I mean, God says, I'm God, and that's it. End of story. So he says, I want you to go into the land. So many people just, they just, this is like a massive trap for people. It causes people to get all twisted and, oh, man, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I can, you know, fully, you know, um, have faith in in Christianity, the, the God of the Old Testament. Nonsense. All right. This was a test. What has God done for them leading up to this point, right? I feel like every week it's like God 
and Moses partnering, and Moses is relaying messages, and, and Moses is telling the people, he's always reminding them, reminding them, reminding them. So us, right? We need reminders. We need to remember what God has done in the past for us. And so what has God done for them? I mean, for starters, plagues in Egypt. Pretty powerful, amazing plagues. It highlights the power of God, the fame of God, the glory of God, God's mighty deliverance, his outstretched arm. God saying, I hear your cry, I, I, I hear your agony, and I'm gonna rescue you. That's a picture of the gospel. People are in spiritual agony, and Christ can set you free. Christ can rescue you. Christ can give you new life. He can give you purpose. He died for your sins. Your sins can be washed away. You can have life now, the abundant life now, as John talks about, and life beyond the grave. So for starters, plagues. Then God delivers them from Egypt, parts the Red Sea. Okay, stop real quick. Parts the Red Sea. They, they walk all night, and the waters are like hemmed up like a wall on each side, and they're sloshing through the water. No! I was hoping someone would correct me. Always correct the preacher, right? They walked on dry ground. Not sloshy, muddy, bottom of the Red Sea. Dry ground, guys. Man. God rained bread down from heaven. But we, God, we don't want the manna. We're tired of the manna. Man, ungrateful. And you know what it shows me? I'm ungrateful. God, I don't want the manna. I've been eating this manna, God, for weeks and months and years. I'm tired of manna. I mean, God, give me some variety of manna. Can there be strawberry manna, blueberry manna? <laughs> I mean, help us out. Chocolate manna, right? God provided rock water from a rock. He provided quail meat, right? They were like, we want meat. We looked at that a few chapters ago. And he did all of this for two million people, at least. Maybe three, two and a half million. He produced a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night so God could guide them. So when it was time to move, they would move. Don't move unless God tells you to move. Sometimes we think a waiting season is a wasted season. No. Sometimes you wait and you feel like the waiting is not productive. You feel like the waiting season is not getting you anywhere. Hey, don't, don't, don't take, understand what I'm saying. Hey, God calls us to Yes, step up by faith, take risks. But sometimes God says, wait on me. Wait on the Lord. So moment by moment, they were eyewitnesses to the, to the miraculous. They, got, they saw God's hand of miracles. And now God is saying, okay, you know, everything I've done for you now, okay, let's move, right? Let's go into Canaan. Let's go into the promised land. Let, let's possess it. God has given them ample opportunities to trust him. And God was testing their faith. Here's point number two. To see God's faithfulness, you have to look back. You have to look back. If you want to understand God's faithfulness, 
You know, maybe you might be saying, well, is God going to be faithful to me in my future? Well, look at your past, right? Look at your past. Has God been faithful in the past, right? God, I got this from my dad, God has a perfect track record. My dad reminds me of that all the time. God's track record, perfect. Because God doesn't make mistakes. He's 100% faithful, and so we can, we can trust God's track record when it comes to his faithfulness and to our lives and to our future. Be, before we look at Numbers 13, let me set the stage real quick. Um, I want to I shift to Deuteronomy just real quick. I want to I give a, I want to look at a few verses that kind of summarize kind of where we're at, right, and, and how the people responded. So this is linked to, to God calling the people, you know, send spies into the land. Deuteronomy 1, 20 to 21. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Pretty clear, right? It's really clear. God is going to give this land to you. He has set the land before you, go up, take possession of it, go up by faith, do not fear, do not let fear paralyze you. See, oftentimes in the Christian life, it's, we swing like a pendulum between faith and fear, faith and fear, faith and fear. Some moments, man, we're locked in, we're walking by faith, we're trusting God, and then other moments we start losing it, right, and the pendulum starts swinging, and then we start, we get paralyzed by fear. Anyone ever been paralyzed by fear? We've all been there. You can't think straight. You start losing your marbles. You don't know what to do. You, you start doubting God's goodness and doubting God's faithfulness. You, just, you become a, a complete wreck when you're just paralyzed by fear. Look at Deuteronomy 1, verses 26 and 27. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Well, those are, those are some harsh words. Those are some harsh accusations. You have brought us to this land. You hate us. You want to destroy us. It's the exact opposite of what God wants to do in their lives. When you give in to fear, the enemy creeps in. The Bible says the enemy can get a foothold on you. And you know what the enemy's gonna do? He's gonna whisper lies to you. God hasn't set the land before you. God, God, God's not gonna provide for you. God's not, gonna, God's not gonna allow you to possess. No, fear's gonna creep in. And then the enemy's gonna try to get you to turn on God. Oh God, you're not good, you're not faithful. You know, you, you don't love me, I'm not worthy. You want, you want bad, not good for me? Deuteronomy 1.32. A few verses later. Yet in spite of this word, this is key. You should underline this. You did not believe the Lord your God. Underline it, circle it, put a star next to it. You did not believe. The real issue was doubt. They doubted God. They did not believe that God would provide. They didn't trust God. All right, so that's backstory summary. This gets us to Numbers 13, one to two. Here, here, here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, 
Send men to spy out the land of Egypt, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. You know what's beautiful about this? God in his grace gives them a plan B. God, God will sometimes ask us to do something hard. You ever been asked by God? You ever been prodded by the Lord? Or you just, you just felt like the Holy Spirit was stirring something within you and you felt like, okay, God wants me to say this or God wants me to do this or God wants me to give this or this is where God wants me to serve, right? And so, but there's sometimes the response is, oh man, not me, God, right? I'm too busy or I, you know, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can accomplish it. We start making excuses like Moses did. And then God is not gonna let go of us, just like Jonah, right? God doesn't let go. He, he's calling you and he's, he's working on you. He's working on you, just like he did in the life of Jonah. And then God sets it up, gives like a plan B. Watch for the plan B. But sometimes we're so disobedient, we're hard of hearing, we have hard hearts. God's trying to get our attention and we're trying not to listen. God wants us to walk with him by faith. The people were afraid, you know, like they couldn't get everyone to march to go into the land, so they came up with this, you know, it was like, okay, get one guy from every family in the nation, and, and hopefully these guys will go in, and they'll come back, and they'll be full of faith, and they'll say, you know, God is with us, the land flows with milk and honey, and so out goes the spies, the best men, the best leaders, men, one man from every family, they're, they're gonna bring a report back. This is a test of their faith. By faith, they can possess the land or they could be filled with doubt and they can go back into the wilderness. And the same is true for us. When we are tested, are we going to trust God or are we gonna live in doubt? Faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. Just like fear is a choice. Faith is a choice. Here's the thing about faith. You're not gonna be pushed into it, right? God is going to work in your life. You have to surrender. You have to surrender to trust. You have to surrender to faith. Like here lately in my own life, I'll be honest with you. You know, there's been some things that have kind of been swelling in my own life. And like there's, there's moments where I'm like, I'm like, I just, there's this like this sudden shock fear that just kind of creeps in. And I have to, I have to like surrender to God. I have to say, God, I'm not in control. God, I'm not in control of my future. I'm not in control of this situation. And so God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm, I'm as, as Peter said, cast your cares on him, right? You know, offload your burdens. Because God's saying, I wanna carry your burdens. Give me your burdens. Give me your fears. Give me your, your insecurity. Give, give me whatever you have. Anything that's causing you to, to, to doubt the Lord, just give it to him. Faith is a choice, right? You, you choose it. You choose to live by faith. We, we choose faith over doubt. Faith is so central, foundational. It, it's a fruit of the spirit. It's, it's, it's a foundational attitude that we have to cultivate. It's a, it's a spiritual thing that, that by the spirit of God, we can live greater lives of faith towards God. 
You know, someone said this, an attitude is a pattern of thinking formed over a long period of time. I thought that was a really great definition of what an attitude is. It's a pattern of thinking that's formed over a long period of time. So what that means is we all have different attitudes, different patterns, just like faith or doubt. You can approach your life and trials in the future with faith, pattern of thinking, or you can approach it with doubt. I love what Oswald Chambers said. He defined faith so well. He said, faith is deliberate, deliberate confidence. That's choice. It's deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. It's deliberate confidence. It's, it's choice, but it's also faith and hope are so tightly connected. It's this confidence in the character of God. That's what hope is. Hope is rooted in the unshakable promises of God. We can face the future. We can face the trials. We can face the tribulation. We can face the pain. We can face the sorrows. We can face all of the questions with no answers because of the character of God. Because God is good. God is faithful, right? God is kind. God has a purpose and a plan. He, he decrees things. He allows things to happen. But at the end of the day, everything's filtered through the Father's hands. You know, when circumstances go sideways, you know, you can fret, you can wring your hands, you, you can lose sleep, you can overthink it. And sometimes we, we give in to that doubt and that fear and we overthink things. Or we can trust God. We can have this deliberate confidence. I, I, all, I, almost, think, I almost think it's like this quiet confidence in the midst of fear that's swirling around us, that wants to attack us, but we just say, God, you got this. God, I don't know how, but you got this, because I don't got it. Elizabeth Elliot said, faith does not eliminate questions, but faith knows where to take them, amen? Faith doesn't eliminate questions, but it, it knows where to take them. When you have questions, are you taking them to God? If attitude is a pattern of thinking that's formed over a long period of time, then you can form a pattern of not having faith, not believing, not trusting, not having this deliberate confidence. You can be so caught up in fear and anxiety and uncertainty or you can surrender and trust that God is good. You know, we've all had mountaintop experiences with God, right? You know, some of those mountaintop experiences for me growing up, I had, a, I had some, um, like summer camp was always a, a mountaintop experience. I don't know what it is about mountaintop experiences like, or summer camps, but God uses summer camps in the lives of teenagers to to bring them to faith in Christ. I love what Winston Churchill said, mountaintops inspire leaders, but, but valleys mature them. Valleys mature them. Most of your life isn't gonna be lived on the mountaintop. It's gonna be lived in the valley, right? That's why Psalm 23, right, is as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're gonna fear no evil, right? We're, we're gonna keep our eyes on the Lord. Why is, so, why is faith so important? Faith is all about the Christian life. That's what it is. It's the whole thing. 
God calls us to walk by faith. Faith is how we come to God. Look at Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So faith is how we come to God. The Spirit draws us. The Spirit convicts us. But faith is trust, belief in an object, which is Christ. Saving faith always has an object. Christ is the object. We're trusting in Christ. We're trusting in his life, his death, his resurrection. That's what we're trusting in. We're trusting in the gospel. We're not trusting in ourselves. We're not saying, well, I'm just gonna pull up my bootstraps and I'm gonna get, it. I'm gonna get my way to heaven. No, only Jesus could get you to heaven. And he did it by a perfect life and a perfect sacrifice and with perfect love. Faith is how we come to God. Faith is how we grow in our walk with God. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord. How do you do you do that? You receive him by faith. So walk in him. Now it's talking about this, this daily walk with the Lord. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So faith is how you come to God. Faith is how you grow in your walk with God. But I love Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It's one of my favorite verses. Faith is how we please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So put it in the positive. It's, it's negative. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We'll switch it to the positive. Faith pleases God. It's possible to please God when we have faith in God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God wants us to grow in our faith. And so he's gonna put regular tests in front of us to, to test our faith. Now, look at verse 17 of uh, Numbers 13. 17 to 20. So we're kind of skipping this section with all the very difficult names of the tribes and all that. I'm just, okay, there it is, right. So I don't have to try to figure all that out. All right, Moses said to them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, my bad, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are, are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land." Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Here's point number three. The circumstances of life will shrink or stretch your faith. So Moses is sending the spies into the land, okay? Let's go real quick back to Deuteronomy. Look at the summary. Deuteronomy 1, 29 to 31. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself, say it with me, church, fight for you. Okay, let, let's, say that, let's say that different. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. God fights for you. He fights your battles. He's in your corner. He sees your life. He sees everything that's going, and he, and he, and he fights for you. Steve tied in a great song that we sang earlier on that. Just as he did for you in Egypt, before your eyes, and in the wilderness, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. That 
is so incredibly awesome, isn't it? God's like, you saw, Moses, like you saw God do all these things. He fought for you. He fought for you in Egypt. He fought for you in the wilderness. He's still fighting for you. He wants to bring you into the land of Canaan. You have seen the faithfulness of God. Remember what God did for you in the past when you were facing obstacles, right? God is saying, don't be afraid. Don't, don't, don't be in dread. The Lord your God goes before you and he will fight for you. And I love, so you have like these two pictures in the passage, which I really love. Like God is our warrior. He's our king. He's strong. He's powerful. He's, he's working all things for your good. And this is why Joseph could look at his brothers and say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's a game-changing verse for us. When bad circumstances hit us, when people sin against us, when people wound us, we can say, you know what? I don't understand it. I don't like it. But God's meaning it for good. God's meaning it for good because God is a warrior king. God is, God is in the heavens and, and he's orchestrating the battle of your life. But I love the other image. God carries his people like a father carries one of his children. That's beautiful. Only God can be warrior king and loving parent, loving heavenly father. Moses, like God carried you in his arms. That's so tender. I really want to talk on that more, but I got, I got to move on. So the spies, one from each tribe, they go into the city, they go into the land, they see the people. They're either going to shrink in, in um, they're going to they're shrink their faith or stretch their faith, right? I mean, if you think about the situation, it can't be worse than the, what they face, right? I mean, they came out of Egypt. I mean, they were chased by the Egyptian army, led by Pharaoh. They were backed up against the Red Sea. It couldn't get any worse. There are moments in our lives when we're tested, will, will our faith grow or will it shrink? In those moments, when the fear is great and the testing is really strong and it's thick and it's coming at us, there has, there's a choice to be made. See, the thing about fear, you, you, can, you can like feel fear. You could feel doubt. It's just, it just is overwhelming. But I think when it comes to faith, it's not a feeling, it's a, it's a choice. It's surrender. It's yielding to God, it's yielding to the Spirit, right? You, we, we surrender to God again and again and again. Faith displaces doubt. You know, doubt sees the obstacles, but faith sees the opportunity. I always tell people, you know what? Problems, opportunities are disguised as problems. Sometimes we, we're prone to see the obstacles and see the problems, but, but God is saying, no, I, I want you to see the problem as an opportunity. I, I was thinking earlier this week about the Apostle Paul and when we walked through the book of Acts and how Paul, he had this opportunity. 
he had all these opportunities to go on these missionary journeys. He took Barnabas and Silas and John Mark and, 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 and Titus, all these guys. Great opportunity. The gospel is spreading. But then he faced opposition. Opportunity leads to opposition, which is ultimately God's will. So as believers, we have to remember, you know what? God is going to grow our faith. And sometimes he uses obstacles and, and opposition to do that sweet work in our lives. Look at Numbers 13, 25. It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. So can you imagine what it must have been like for the people? I mean, can you imagine waiting 40 days? You know, are they back yet? Are they back yet? No emails, no text messages, no, no FaceTime. Hey, Caleb, what's going on, man? What are you seeing? Nothing like that, right? Just waiting, 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 right? The people have been waiting. Look at verse 26 and 27. And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation. Like everyone shows up, right? There's good news. We're all showing up. We want to know. And showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They came back. I mean, they got this stellar report. Man, the land is flowing with milk and honey. And here are the grapes. I mean, somehow they got the grapes, right? I don't know how they did it, but they got the grapes. They brought the grapes back. Maybe these massive, beautiful, ripe grapes, you know, and, and probably carried on sticks and they're coming in and the grapes are on the vines and, and the people are just, I mean, they're just soaking in the news. Verse 28. What does that first word say? However. Interesting. They bring back good news. But then it says, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The first word, however, that is us. God says, I want you to do this. We obey. We, we do it. We listen. God shows us. He's going to fight for us. I'm going to provide this for you. We see God's good plan, but then there's something we see that we don't like, and then we begin to trust, we begin not to trust God. However, doubt is creeping into their hearts. Now, you might say, well, when it comes to life, you know, I'm a realist, right? I, I see it for what it is. I, I want the facts. And, and, but God says, no, that's not being a realist. That's being a doubter. When you, when you see it all and then you begin to doubt, it, that, that's, that's not having faith in me. They come back and they say, you know, the, the descendants of Anak are there. Well, Think of a combination of an NFL lineman mixed with an NBA center. Big boys. These are some big dudes, right? These are, these are the big kids on the block. You know what I mean? No one messes with these kids, right? And so they're fearful. Look at verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. All right, time out, time out, time out, time out. Deuteronomy 1 gives us the summary. God said, I'm going before you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm giving you the land. The problem 
was not the giants in the land. The problem was not the fortifications. It wasn't the city. You know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, the descendants of Anak. No, the problem was lack of faith. Their attitude. It was their lack of trust in God. Their lack of confidence in God. You know what I heard someone say? When the storm of life blows through your life, you have four options. You have four options. You can fight, you can flight, you can fright, or you can have faith. And I think that applies not just to the story, but it applies to us, right? When we, when we see it for what it is, how are you gonna choose to move forward? Fear is a choice, so is faith. Look at verse 30. But Caleb, I love this, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. I love Caleb's faith, man. I love how Caleb's like, let's go take the mountain for God. Right? I mean, Caleb is like the Old Testament personality of Peter in the New Testament, right? Impulsive. I mean, okay, this, this is my take on Caleb. Reading between the lines, and my brother-in-law is Caleb. So I think it kind of matches up a little bit. I mean, Caleb, my brother-in-law, he's, man, just, man, he's just like high energy. I mean, all these things, man. Caleb, when I think about Caleb, he's like, we can do it. God's with us. God's for us. He's, he, he, he's our champion. Let's go. Let's go overcome it. Those are the people that I want to hang out with. Those are the people that I want to get close to. People of faith, right? Caleb is having to quiet the people before Moses. Moses is probably like, Thank you, Caleb. Thank, thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy, for coming in. Coming into my rescue, man. I need a little bit of help there, buddy. Caleb comes in. The people are freaking out. So paralyzed by fear. They're, they have all these doubts. They have forgotten about all the miracles that God has performed. Caleb has so much faith. You know what I've learned in life? Sometimes you have to step out by faith. You step out by faith and you leave the results to God. If you sense God is calling you to do something, you trust him, you move forward, but the results belong to the Lord. You know, someone said this, sometimes the best news is the bad news that opens up the way for the good news. Isn't that good? That, that's true with the story. Bad, the best news is the bad news. The bad news came back. People are freaking out, but the bad news opens up the way for the good news. And that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. This, that's the gospel in a nutshell. The best news is the bad news. We are sinners. We are in need of God's grace. Without Christ, we go into a Christless eternity forever. But with Christ, believing in Christ, following Christ, we are saved and forgiven and reconciled to God. Look at verse 31 to 33. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. So Caleb Strong faith. All these other guys, they're weak, spineless, no courage, right? They're just no faith. We are not able to go up against the people. They kind of forgot that they're not going up against the people is the Lord, for they are stronger than we are. And let, let, let's just be honest. We would probably have the exact same reaction they did, right? Right? Sometimes we come to the Bible and we're like, I can't believe you said, I can't believe. No, we would do the same thing, Right? So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. 
And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Here's point number four. Doubt is the absence of faith. Doubt is the absence of faith. That's what doubt is. It's not believing. It's not acting on what you know to be true. It's not trusting God. A doubtful report comes in, and they have this, this, this doubtful attitude, this lack of confidence or assurance that God will keep his word. Sometimes doubt creeps into our lives. Sometimes it's disguised as fear. You know, God's not going to protect me. Sometimes it's disguised as anger. You know, God's not going to solve my problems. I don't know what I'm going to do. And we battle doubt. How, to, how do we lay hold of, of faith? Well, the Psalms. I wish I had more time to give more Psalms, but Psalm 62.8, trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Psalm 46.1-3, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. Verse 10 of chapter 46, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Faith is everything. Believe in God. I love what Charles Swindoll said. He said, attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fire or assaults my hopes. When my attitudes are right, there is no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. I think faith is us, it's choice. We lay hold of it, but it is a work of the spirit It's God's work within us to grow us, to stretch us, to increase our faith. It's a God thing as we surrender to his leading in our lives. Numbers 14, one to two. Let's wrap up. Here we go. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Would that we had died in this wilderness. Point number five. Doubt can easily creep into your heart if not checked. Caleb is saying, let's go. God's with us. God's for us. He's not against us. Let's go. He's he's given us these promises. But all the other people that went with him, nope, they don't believe. Only Joshua and Caleb, the congregation, they raise a loud cry and they're weeping that night. They're grumbling against the leadership and they're saying, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Would that we had died in the wilderness. Literally, they're saying, it would be better for us to be dead already than to move forward with God. And you know what? Their prayer will be answered. One day for every year, 40 days, they spied out the land, 40 days in the wilderness. Their prayer's gonna be answered. 20 years and under, they'll, move, they'll go into the land. Those who obeyed the voice of God. They forgot the miracles. They forgot the provision. They forgot God's faithfulness. They, they said, God, you know what? It's just not good enough. They didn't rally in faith. They, 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 they were grumbling in their community groups, 
They were grumbling about life and grumbling about, you know, I can't believe Caleb and Moses and Aaron. They're just grumbling. Doubt leads to despair. They doubted God and they fell into a dark pit called despair and they just despaired of life. They despaired of the future and they didn't keep their eyes focused on the Lord. So here's the question for us this morning. Are Well, let me phrase it this way. Am I a doubter? We have moments where we're swinging between faith and fear, but if you were going to examine, kind of step back a little bit from your life and look at the landscape of your life, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, and how you relate to the Lord when difficult things come your way, trials, tests, to test your faith. How do you respond to those things? Do you doubt the goodness of God? Or do you say, even when struggling, God, I don't understand this, but I yield to you. I'm gonna trust you. And that's the challenge for us today as believers. As we look at Numbers Uh, 13, a little bit of 14. Let's be believers that believe God's track record of faithfulness and hold on to it so tightly. Let's pray.